one of the things I've really been thinking about was, and I don't know if this is going to be my little hidden agenda slash gem this year, but it's the amount of time that teachers talk versus students talk. I kind of want to push that as much as I can so that the reality comes to the teachers to say, oh, you know, I need to stop talking. Hey, hey there, Math Moment Makers. Today we bring on Laura Tomas for her third appearance on the podcast. Yes, that's right. That means that she has technically leapfrogged James Tanton. You'll hear more about that in the episode. Laura has been an educator for 31 years. She's a math coach and a fellow podcast host from Palm Beach, Florida. Yeah, Laura chats with us today about providing support during the pandemic as a math coach, why school leaders and coaches need to step into a teaching role on a more regular basis to feel that empathy that teachers have and to best support their teachers and how to build that mentor-mentee relationship without pushing too hard. And finally, we talk a good length of time about how to best support teachers when the standards or curriculum has shifted or changed. This is another Math Mentoring Moment episode where we talk with a member of the Math Moment Maker community, just like you, who's working through problems of practice. And uh, together, Mm -hmm. we brainstorm some possible next steps and strategies to overcome them. Let's do this. Welcome to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. We are from MakeMathMoments.com and together with you, the community of math moment makers worldwide who want to build and deliver problem-based math lessons that spark curiosity, fuel sense-making, and ignite your teacher moves. Welcome all of our wonderful math moment maker friends. We have another math mentoring moment episode to share with you. And again, as I mentioned, it's uh, with Laura Tomas, who's joining us for a third time. What a fantastic person, overall person, also mentor and coach in her district, and really just an awesome, awesome math huggable friend. Uh, John, I'm super excited to dive into this one again. You know, her journey with us has been over the last two years, maybe even three years, because we talked to her over a year ago on the last episode, but she is one of our early episodes too. I think episode 46, we talked with her about her coaching role back then. And then since that first episode, she took the leap and decided to like make her own podcast and help teachers in that way, which was amazing to read like that journey from being a support teacher into a podcast and then continuing that role, coming back on to talk to us on episode 93 about supporting teachers through lesson study. And then now through the pandemic, we come back after kind of returning somewhat, mostly, I think, in our area for sure, back to a new normal. We chatted with her for a third time to kind of see where that journey has taken us. So so stick around here and uh, you're going to hear all about her journey and what she's doing to support teachers now. All right, let's get into it. Hey, hey there, Laura. Thanks for joining us again on the Making Math Moments 
That Matter podcast. Uh, we were just chatting. This is your third time, Ooh, which we third. were discussing actually pushes you over the great James Tanton, because as we've discussed uh, last time James was on, even though he's been on three times, he was on with a co-guest. What is that? Uh, a co-guest? Is that what we call it? Yeah, Two that, guests? Uh, that doesn't sound right, but no, uh, it let's doesn't. go with it. Let's we go with it. Sh- yeah, yeah. We're going to leave that in there. So, Laura, congratulations. Thank I you. will definitely be sending this on to James just to rub it in a little bit. <laughs> but uh, how are things going in your world? Do us a favor and just kind of remind everyone, for those who it's been a while since you've been on last time, I think it was episode, what, 93, I believe it was the last time. And we are approaching episode 200. So like, wow, almost 100 episodes here. Let us know. Remind us of her role. How are things going in your world these days? Okay. Well, first, I have to say thank you for giving me that honor of being pushed over James Tanton, you know, two and a half times. I am Laura Tomas. I'm a math coach at one elementary school, Belvedere Elementary School, shout out in West Palm Beach, Florida. And this, I can't believe this, but this is going to be my 31st year in the system. How awesome (laughs) is Congratulations. Yes. Wow. Before you keep going, I want to know, did they give you a pin or like some sort of like, hey, you've been, no? Oh, pat on the back, maybe, right? Pat on the back. It's like, keep it going. Keep it going. Yeah. Just keep it up. All right. And this will actually be my 11th year as a coach, which I'm very excited about. What else? My podcast is going very well, learning through math. Karina and I have. We've recorded, I think, 83 episodes. We kind of take a break during the summer because we're tired. Right. It's summertime. But we have a book club going right now. We're reading Figuring Out Fluency in Math. Oh, good. Teaching and Learning. That's a good one. And Jenny Bay Williams has actually come on a few times. So shout out to Jenny. Yay. Wow. (laughs) Jenny's so (laughs) great. Great Great stuff. Uh, Great book. Uh, Yeah, that book. We had on our docket and uh, been reading these last little bit in heavily influenced some of the work we're doing in my classroom itself. So uh, great stuff there. Great book. And yeah, the podcast is going strong. So congratulations there. Laura, do us a favor here. Let's dive back a little bit, unpack a little bit about where you were in your coaching journey back on episode 93, which is, oh, it's more than a year ago where you've come from there and then into now, like this is a, where are you now kind of episode? And we just want to do a kind of a journey of where you were and then where you are. Like last time we talked about how to help teachers change mindset towards growth. We talked about lesson study and our experiences with lesson study and your experiences with lesson study, and then like how leadership changes. So fill us in on what's happened since then and where you are now. Okay. This will be my third year at Belvedere Elementary, which means the past two years, which we know have been, there's just no, not enough adjectives for the past two years. It's been challenging. I've been building lots and lots of relationships and I've been trying to do it one by one, just one teacher at a time. I've found that that's been the most effective. And when I really make a relationship strong with one teacher, then that teacher becomes like my PR person to say to their friends, Hey, Laura, yada, yada, yada. 
And then that person kind of joins in, not the fold, but you know what I mean, with whatever I'm trying to sell. Something that pops into my mind, because you had mentioned COVID, this is your 11th year in this particular role. I'm wondering, has your approach to building relationships, it's kind of interesting with the timing as well, as you're mentioning. So third year at Belvedere, for those, you know, podcasts are evergreen. So someone might be listening to this fresh out of the gate when it goes live. Other people, it could be a couple years down the road. So just to kind of paint them a bit of a picture, we're recording this in July of 2022. So this past year is sort of like the full transition back to, we'll call it normalcy, if we could even say it as such. So those first couple years, you were probably deep in pandemic sort of restriction-y a bit of chaos and all of those things. So that can be really tough to make and build relationships, probably doing a lot of Zoom like we're doing right now, things like that. And I know when I've worked with new teachers and I see new teachers, teachers I have yet to build a relationship with through the pandemic, I found that it was harder to break the ice just because you aren't in the flesh, like you're not in the same room. You you don't get that same vibe or just the same energy from the conversation, right? So my wonder is now, I love how you're saying that, you know, you're kind of going one by one. You can't try to do too much too fast. Otherwise, and I'm sure you've been there before. I think everyone in a role like yours has experienced that, especially when you're new to that role. You try to do everything for everyone and be everything to everyone. So my wonder for you, though, is has your approach changed now building these relationships, now that you've been through a pandemic. And in particular, why I'm curious is because I found that the pandemic personally really had me sort of build more empathy for educators and just what they're up against. And I'm just wondering, like for you, has that influenced how you're doing your role, how you're leading each day and supporting educators? Like is the pressure, like, you know, the pressure and support we try to offer, how does that look and sound? What are your thoughts on that? And how would you say the pandemic has influenced what you're doing now? When I got my job, it was during lockdown. And I ended up interviewing over Google Meet, which was totally strange, right? Because I'm a people person. I want to hug you. I want to see you. And got the job. When we went back to school two years ago, we were in a mandatory mask, both at the same time. So kids could be virtual or come back in person. I'm calling two years ago hybrid H-E-L-L because it was just insanity. We didn't start school until August 31st because our district decided If the numbers are going up, let's wait as long as we can, which meant when we got back to school, we had teachers that didn't want to come back yet because they were scared. You know, they had loved ones that had autoimmune issues and everything. So I ended up being, oh, I'm going to take that back. The first two weeks, we all were on virtual. So I happened to have to be the ESOL push-in person for second grade, which meant I was jumping into different Google Meets during that time. So the second grade teachers, I immediately made a bond with because I was with them virtually like this. When we got back to school, one of the teachers 
decided she was going to wait to come back for a couple of weeks. So I was the third grade teacher. If I hadn't had that experience, my view would have been completely different because for two weeks, I had to go through exactly what the teachers were going through. And because of that experience, that gave me so much empathy for the teachers. So I feel like I became the voice of the bridge between admin and teachers. I think I've kept that role up because coaches, we're in the leadership role, but we're not in the admin role, right? We're still teachers. We're still colleagues with them. So I consider myself to be that bridge between what one group wants and the other group wants, things like that. (laughs) You know, having said that, in thinking back to like moving forward and coaches who go in and out of roles for districts. And I know that, you know, when you think about a coach who's newly in the role, they've normally come from the teacher, but maybe there's a coach that's been there for a long time and didn't get that experience of stepping into a teaching role. Like you said, it's changed how you viewed supporting those teachers. I'm just wondering your thoughts about big picture ideas, like how important is it for a coach to step back into that teaching role occasionally, in your opinion? Hey, Math Moment Makers, Kyle here, and I've got just a quick message specifically for our district level mathematics decision makers out there. Do you feel like you're spinning your wheels when making district-level goals for mathematics programming from kindergarten through grade 12? Setting new goals each year only to find little to no real shift in pedagogical practice or educator content knowledge across the district as a whole? Take a moment to book a short call with our team so we can learn more about your specific district and educator learning needs in mathematics so we can assist you in taking the first step of many in the right direction. Visit makemathmoments.com forward slash district to book a web call with our team today. We have a limited number of spots for districts just like yours, so don't wait. Head to makemathmoments.com forward slash district and grab a spot in our calendar now. Super important. I mean, over the past 11 years, when I say I'm a coach, okay, that means also other duties as assigned, right? One year I had a teacher go out on maternity leave for six weeks. So I stepped in and was a fourth grade math teacher of record for, you know, those six weeks. A couple of years ago, because we have an advanced math class, there was a group of kids in fifth grade that needed a math teacher. So I also became for the whole year, a fifth grade math teacher of record. I think it's so important. Even admin, they need to go in and sub for a day or up for half a day. They need to see the reality that even though we were given this plate, the plate never changes size, but things just keep piling on and on and nothing ever gets taken off of teachers' plates. So I think everyone needs to have those experiences. Even people at the district office, they need to come back in. Now, I have to say last year, and I'm sure you both understand this, the sub situation was insanity. So yes, I was a coach, but 
I was also a sub just like everybody else in a resource position because there was nobody left. There was nobody there to do it. So last year I'm calling COVID cluster because it was just ridiculous. And I've been trying to think of my cute little acronym for this year. And I'm hoping it's going to be something like new normal, right? Because there's things that we did pre-COVID that we've forgotten about because we've been in survival mode for two years. And I was thinking the other day, wow, I used to do X, Y, Z. I need to bring that back. And I think all teachers need that. I wonder, so not only bringing some of those things back that we've sort of maybe forgotten about, or we'll call it moved on from more out of necessity, but then also thinking about maybe some of the things that we don't want to bring back, right? Or the things that we're happy aren't back. So kind of reflecting on those two things. I love that. I've used that term before, the new normal, because it's really hard to, let's say, go back as if nothing ever happened. But we definitely want to make sure, especially like the collaboration you had mentioned, like you want to go and hug people. I'm so happy that you're still here because I know that that's something that you really you know, want to give out those hugs, those hugs t-shirts. Well, that would have been a, a hard place to be, especially once you come back from, say, virtual learning and so forth. And there might still be some distancing rules and things like that in place. So, yeah, there's so much going on. There's so much that's happened over these past couple of years. I'm wondering, can we do a quick little check in before we kind of go to where your head is at now? It is summertime as we're recording this. So I'm sure just like educators in the classroom, those who are in uh, mentor-mentee sort of roles are also thinking ahead to the next year, the things they want to change, the things they want to do more of, less of, and so forth. I'm wondering, were you able to get to that lesson study piece a little more deeply? I know we did discuss that back in episode 93. Is that coming along? I know you had mentioned building those relationships. Are you at that place where you feel like that lesson study is sort of evolving in certain classrooms? I'm sure it's not everywhere, but update us on that. And then we'll dig into where your head is at lately. Okay. No, I did not get to do (laughs) the lesson study the way that I would have wanted to. I don't know if you remember, but back in the first episode, 46, we talked about my green sheets, right? Which was, what do you want me to come in and take data on and everything? Well, I brought them out, not the first year, but last year. And one of the teachers said, can you make this digital? I said, absolutely. So I put it on Google Forms and made my green sheets digital, but I also put it in mailboxes for people. So there's a little hybrid thing that I did, right? (laughs) Take the old and the new. I think for this year, well, okay, I don't know if you know, but Florida, we're getting new standards again. Right. That's which means sounds like us (laughs) (laughs) that there now needs to be yet another shift in everybody's brains. So we went from before Common Core, but Common Core to maths, which was the math Florida standards. And now we're gonna be doing the best standards which is benchmarks for excellence and student thinking. And there have been many shifts. And one thing that I know is going to have to happen this year, our teachers are going to have to, and myself, we're going to have to learn what's happened. For example, fifth grade, we're bringing in averaging, we're bringing in mean, median, and mode, Mm -hmm. where that was a 
middle school standard for the past however many years. And we have to all be using a number line from K to 12 as one of our tools. Mm-hmm. Please don't get me started. I'm going to, for kindergarten, for sure, I'm going to make them into number paths for the kids. But things like that, we're going to have to get into the nitty gritty this year. So I think that's going to be our lesson study. It's going to be the new standard. I love that. And you just brought up one example I was going to mention as soon as you had said, you know, this shift when new standards come out, this is kind of goes back to your point about coaches and administrators and district office staff coming into the classroom and sort of relearning what it's like to be an educator, right? Because you remove yourself from that role. Standards is one of these things. And in Ontario, we just had a shift. Actually, 2020 was Mm -hmm. when they released the new Ontario grade one to eight curriculum, right? Talk about timing. The pandemic was already happening. We were months into the pandemic and then new curriculum. Look at it both ways. You could say, hey, what better time than now when things are crazy and just like, let's just give it a go. Or is this the worst timing ever because everyone is so distracted by other things? But nonetheless, when those new standards come out, there is such a huge amount of work. It's not simply like read them once and all is good. Your number line example is such a great example of how that can be so misunderstood by educators, right? Using a number line way before it's developmentally appropriate. So as you mentioned, number path would be a great way to do that. We have some number path activities on mathisvisual.com that sort of helps lead towards there. And then I'd probably argue like tape diagrams would probably be a little nicer than, say, an abstract number line. And we can get into that later. But this is where a role like yours is going to be so key. And I wonder how might you enter into, let's say, a lesson study situation or try to introduce or promote the idea for educators? I'm wondering, like, how can you maybe fish out that idea? Is it maybe just saying, hey, you pick a standard or maybe it's Here's some standards that I've noticed as the coach. I've noticed this one about number lines, and I'm looking for a group of educators who want to explore number lines at various grade levels. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? And maybe this might be what we dig into today around how do we support you as this new curriculum comes out while you still are trying to hit some of these other goals like lesson study, because we just know that that's a great tool. Hey there, Math Moment Makers. Are you a dedicated listener? Like, I'm talking, have you been listening for a couple months, maybe even a couple years? Well, if you haven't taken a moment to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform, it would mean so much to us. It'll take you under one minute uh, so that you can help more educators see and experience the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. Uh, Do us this huge solid. Uh, We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, here is today's episode. I have to say that in Palm Beach County, we have the greatest elementary math team that supports us. We've already had trainings through the summer. They've been training, training, training. And thankfully, we've actually, I don't want you to spit out your coffee, but we've gotten paid for it for a time. Nice, nice, nice. Which, what? Yeah, money's flowing. 
as we know, not everybody is going to attend those trainings, right? That's the big thing. Our district elementary math team puts out units of study basically for us where they'll take all of the good information, make it into a critical information slideshow so that during our PLCs, we can bring it up or during a team meeting or whatever, a planning meeting and say, okay, these are the standards that are going to be hit. Here's what like the yay and the nay kind of do for there. And then they put up so many more resources than just our textbook, which of course will be new this year because it will have the stamp that says best standards approved, right? Now, how good is that? I don't know. I haven't dug into the textbooks yet, but I think our lesson study this year is going to be deep diving into the new standards for sure. Gotcha. That's a great choice based off this pivot and why not we should be focusing on supporting our teachers in that way. Laura, what do you think is, when you think of that that being uh, where your focus is going to be driven, where do you think the biggest challenge is or what do you think the biggest challenge is going to be in that support? Well, time is always our number one enemy, right? It can be used for good or bad, just like superheroes. I think that, again, back to the resistance from teachers willing to want to learn these new things, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it's literally just, I don't want to say chipping away, but one person at a time. And again, if I can get one person from each team on board, then they can spread the joy of math, right? Right, right. The other thing I was thinking of was back to the green sheets. You know, I've left everything open-ended this year. And I was thinking this year, I might give them choices to say, hey, I want Laura, please come in and take data on. And then I'm going to fill in some of the blanks. Mm -hmm. And that's where I would love to hear from your perspectives too. What are some of those blanks that I can fill in to come in and take data on? Because John, you're deep in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. here I am, we've hugged, we've gotten to know each other. Okay, now we're in our pre-conference session here. John, what do you want to become better at this year? What's something that I can help you so that it's not evaluative? It's just, let me come in and help you become better. Right. So when you think about those green sheets, like fill me in a little bit about what you've asked prior to that on those green sheets or give a snapshot to the listeners who say haven't listened to episode 46. And you talked about we fill it in. And is that all it is? It's like, hey, what do I want to uh, be observed on or feedback on? And that's it. Is that what the green sheet is? Or is there more to it that we should all know about before we kind of answer that? So that's just the first stepping stone. That's like the pre-pre-conference so that I know when we meet what we're going to end up discussing. And this, of course, is after we've already built relationships Mm -hmm, with each mm -hmm. other. But it's what is one thing specifically that you want to become better at? The second one is how can I specifically help you achieve that goal? So once I have that information in front of me, then I can say, okay, when do you want to meet? And then have a one-on-one conversation with the teachers. Now, from that, you probably have this wide spectrum, right? There's some teachers who have something very specific, and that probably makes our lives and our roles very easy, right? Yes. Because they're going, listen, I just want to become consistent with using number talks as a routine in my classroom. 
can you help me get better at that? And then boom, you're like off to the races, right? So now it's like about, okay, structuring your math block, how many times a week when you say mm-hmm. consistent, does that mean every day? Does it mean three times a week? Like, what's your goal there? And what resources should we look at? So it, it creates so many opportunities there. What if it's something more general? I'm wondering about your digging deeper. So like, for example, I'm going to guess this is us anticipating what's going to happen this year in your situation. Teacher's going to say, I want to learn the new curriculum. Right. And I'm wondering there, and this is for John too. Like, so it's kind of putting it to all of us right now. We're all in very similar roles. What's our next mentor move? We'll call it when someone says something like that. Your initial thoughts probably like, ah, it could be anything, right? Like a bit of panic, a little bit of confusion. But I'm wondering, yeah, like, how do we help hone in for those educators so that we get something that's a little bit more like more like we'll say a smart goal, right? Like something more specific, something that we can actually see and measure whether we've made some sort of achievement. So flip to Laura first. What are your thoughts there? Where might you go next or what might you do next in that particular scenario? Thankfully, our district elementary math team puts out a pacing calendar for us. That way we know what's coming throughout the whole year. If a teacher would come to me and say, I want to learn all the new standards, I'm going to say, great, we're going to go general in PLCs or team meetings. And if there's something specific they want, that's when I will schedule a one-on-one time with them. I think this year though, anticipating here, I think it's definitely going to be a global at first and specific as we get into each unit. I have no idea. I don't know if the textbook is aligned with the sequence of the standards or it's going to be mishmashed. I don't know. So I'm probably going to have to be the PR person for information like that. You know, we're not starting on page one and going straight through this whole school year. The other thing I was thinking of back to the green sheets with the individual teachers, one of the things I've really been thinking about was And I don't know if this is going to be my little hidden agenda slash gem this year, but it's the amount of time that teachers talk versus students talk. So Mm -hmm, I think I mm -hmm, I kind of want to push that as much as I can so that the reality comes to the teachers to say, oh, you know, I need to stop talking and let the kids learn. Like your little hidden agenda, right? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be, they know it ahead of time, but that's going to be almost like your personal goal for them too. And to build on that, Laura, I think when teachers say like, I need this, when we ask teachers to say, what do you want? I find teachers will say surface level issues. Like I need more time or like your example, I need to know the standards or I want to get homework better or I want to like, How do I engage my students? Like, I sometimes think these are surface level things, even though there are big things. And how do you go about trying to weave themes into that problem? Because some of these problems can be funneled into like this one area where this is actually the solution. You're saying this up here, but I know that this down here is going to kind of like help address that, but also other things like maybe like teaching with models and teaching with different strategies. Like even though they're saying these, 
you know some of these down here are kind of going to be the helpful thing that's needed. How do you go about kind of nudging the teachers down those pathways when they're saying surface level issues? One of the best things that I find is that I go into their classrooms and model a lesson, teach a lesson. They can watch me and then afterwards have that deeper conversation. Okay, what's something that you saw that I did to engage the students or whatever the thing that they wanted to know? And I've actually been able to do that with a few teachers over the past few years too. And then again, they become my PR person to say, oh my gosh, Laura came in and did this, have her come in and do that. And I think it's just, and again, I know time is our enemy, but it's giving time for the teachers to get them to chip away at what they really, really want. Of course, I can ask all the guiding questions to have them get down to that funnel of what they really, really want, but it has to come from them no matter what. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Exactly. And it, we know this about you. We know this through the previous conversations that we've had and through your podcast, which congratulations again on how far you're closing on the hundred mark, which is pretty awesome, pretty fantastic. So congratulations there. But something too, and, and I'm hearing this in what you're saying, something where my head goes is like always trying to find, I heard John use the word theme, like trying to find these themes in what they're saying to try to get to the real problem, right? Like trying to get to the real struggle. Sometimes it's a struggle that maybe they're unaware of. Like, so for example, like some educators don't think it's a problem that they do most of the talking in the classroom, right? So there's like this unconscious problem going on. And we're in this role where we want to sort of like help to emerge that idea some way, somehow. And it sounds like you've got that going on in your back pocket there in the back of your mind. And then on the other hand, trying to like make it a little more explicit, some of the challenges. So like I'm picturing as well, and I know with our curriculum, our grade one to eight curriculum that was brand new in 2020, we have a de-streamed or a detracked grade nine curriculum that we began in 2021. So you're so lucky, by the way. Sorry, I yes. just had to interject that. Congratulations lucky, for but that. lots of work ahead of us. As we've discussed, so we know it's a step in the right direction, but the reality is, is that educators are not really put in a position to feel comfortable, confident, to feel like they're able to do the most with a de-streamed course. They were having struggles with students in streamed courses, right? Like in, in engaging. Right, so right. there's a lot of work to be done there. And, I, you know, I'm picturing as you're looking at these standards and you're becoming familiar with them and sort of trying to make connections across the grades, that's another lens that you have in your role is that you get to sort of take a couple steps back and kind of look at that theme. You had mentioned number lines as an example. So I'll use that. That's a theme. So when I look at that and I go, okay, that's the number line. I haven't read your standards yet. So I'm just sort of making a guess here, but I wonder is there an even like a higher, like if we go up one level from number lines, so that's a specific model I'm picturing, are there other models that they have that are sort of spanning the grade? So I'm picturing, I hope that, you know, the array slash area model, so number paths and number lines and tape diagrams to me are kind of in the same vein. 
they're sort of in the same family of linearness. And then you have this Arianness model, like our models, is it more about models? Is that a theme? Are there strategies that are themed throughout? Or if there's not, is there something that you can bring to the table to say, for example, when we're using number lines, if they don't talk about strategies, maybe that's some learning, like some learning that will help them with how a number line can be beneficial. I'm picturing the area model and arrays and the distributive property and partial products, partial quotients or strategies. Like, do those things explicitly come out of my curriculum? Or are these things that maybe I want to try to help highlight? As you mentioned, maybe educators don't know that they want to know these things, but maybe you can help them to sort of bump into this need for exploring those models to see that, you know what, the reason it's so connected is because of these things. And help them through doing the math. So I'm extremely excited for the work that you're doing moving forward. And I feel like as you continue using this strategy of not moving too fast, too soon, of building those relationships and that trust, really that relational trust that Jim Strachan talks about in his mentorship work here in Ontario, as you build that relational trust, those educators are going to want to continue doing that work with you. So I'm super excited for you. John, any last questions here for Laura before we start to wrap the show? Yeah, I actually have one last question, but I echo your excitement, Kyle, for Laura's work that's coming ahead of her. But Laura, if you could leave one big takeaway for our listeners here on your journey, I'm thinking back like this is our three episode relationship here with you is like we interviewed you as a teacher we dove through a struggle you had way back in episode 46 you then took the bull by the horns there you started your own podcast episode 93 we came back here and chatted more about the coaching aspect and lesson study and now we're talking about kind of helping teachers with standards and kind of some of your next moves but hey what would be a big takeaway you'd want listeners here to leave from your experience? I think the biggest takeaway, besides the fact that we have a lot of learning ahead of us, which we always do, right, is to not be afraid of the learning, right? We need to dive in and actually do the learning. And if I can give it to them in bite-sized chunks, I think that will be less scary Mm -hmm. than seeing the whole, which is funny because I'm a hold apart kind of person. So I will take the lead and look at the whole thing. And then I think the biggest takeaway for me is to give it to them in the bite-sized chunks, unless they're a hold apart learner too, then they can go on the hold apart learning journey with me. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And you know what? I really think your personality, your approach is great for this role because the reality is you have the gift of coming to the table and not sort of coming with this feeling like you have all the answers. So that's something that I think will continue to serve you really well as you dive into this work, sitting down with educators and co-learning with them, like truly co-learning with them, I think is something that educators appreciate so much. And it really does, I think, expedite that trust building and just that ability for people to be open with you and comfortable with you so that they can truly engage in thinking. 
instead of maybe having that cloudiness in their mind, if they're always worried about the next thing they say, that they might be judged or they might be exposed, that they don't have the expertise that maybe they would like to have. So I think your work is great. Your podcast is awesome. Can you let everybody know where can they find you in your podcast and anything else that you'd like to share, be it social or uh, website links, and we'll add those to the show notes as well. Uh, okay. So we, you can find us, myself and my friend Karina, at learningthroughmath.com. And we found out that you can't have that many letters on Twitter for a Twitter handle. So our Twitter <laughs> handle for the two of us is at Laura and Karina. That's easy to remember. My personal one is at I teach the Y, W-H-Y at the end there. And that's about it. I think we've kind of morphed into a podcast with a side note of book clubs because this is our third book club, fourth fourth book club that we've done. We did Building Thinking Classrooms last summer. Mm -hmm. We did Mathematical Mindsets, Joe Bowler's in the fall. We did the Writing on the Classroom Wall, Steve Wyborny in the spring. And now we're doing Figuring Out Fluency in the summer. So we're podcast slash book club. (laughs) Great. I love it. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Thanks so much, uh, Laura, for joining us here on this episode. And uh, we can't wait for the fourth time. (laughs) Thank you again for having me. This has been so much fun. And you're going to have to come and be guests on our podcast. You let us know, my friend. Yeah, we are around and always eager to talk some math, especially with awesome math friends like you. So thank you. And definitely let uh, Karina know that we thank her for her work as well. And we will see you sometime soon, hopefully at a face-to-face conference soon. Yes. And get those hugs. (laughs) All right. Take care. Have a good one, my friend. You too. Well, as always, Math Moment Makers, we always mention how much we're learning through every conversation. Today, we talked about a number of different things, you know, how the pandemic influenced how Laura is approaching her coaching role. Also, where she might start thinking about helping educators who are definitely going to have those new standards, or as we call them in Ontario, new curriculum in place this coming school year. So hopefully for you, whether you're in a coaching role or a mentoring role of some type, or maybe you're in the classroom, the reality is, is that in education, we are working with so many other individuals and we have the opportunity to influence and impact them regardless of your role. So hopefully you took some of these ideas from this lesson and there was something of value there that you want to hang on to or you want to implement. So my question to you is, how are you going to do that? Are you going to write it down? Are you going to share it on social media? Are you going to call a friend? Maybe get together with them for a walk or something. Right now it's summer break as we're recording this. So make sure you do something that's going to help you tell your brain that you want to hang on to these ideas and you actually want to put them into place. So do so by hitting social media. One way you can do that is by going to Make Math Moments on all social media platforms. Uh, Leave us a comment there or a rating and review on Apple Podcasts always goes a long way. 
And if this is your first few times listening to this podcast, you'll want to know that on a regular basis, we talk with teachers just like you who are going through problems of practice. We call them our math mentoring episodes, and we want to invite you to join us to have a discussion on what you're working through in your classroom. You can apply over at makemathmoments.com forward slash mentor. All that is is just filling out a form and telling us a little bit about your struggle, and then we'll set up an appointment to just, hey, just to chat, and uh, we'll hit the record button to kind of walk through problems of practice, because if you're having this problem of practice right now, that pebble that you can't just dislodge from your shoe, I'm sure there are many, many listeners that are going through that same struggle. So let's chat about it so that we can help all of us at the same time. Again, head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash mentor so that you can fill out that form. And that's how we get to have episodes just like this. Awesome stuff, friends. And remember, on our website, we have show notes, links to resources, complete transcripts over at makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 195. Again, makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 195. And uh, remember, there's all kinds of other goodies on the makemathmoments.com website. So if you haven't taken a look around, make sure you do, because I'm sure you're going to bump into something that you're going to find valuable. Well, Math Moment Maker friends, until next time, I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. High fives for us. And a high five for you. If you are a district leader of mathematics, a math coach, a math curriculum coordinator, a superintendent and principal, getting teacher buy-in for effective math teaching practice is top of mind. And plans only go so far. You can make you know detailed plans and, and carefully designed goals with clear objectives and key results that are measurable. But that can feel like it all falls flat if we can't engage our teachers in the work. Working with teachers who do not want to change their teaching practices is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of our job. How do I help teachers engage in effective teaching practices when they keep pushing us away? If you can't reach the tipping point in mass adoption of effective mathematics teaching strategies, then it's it's likely we won't see student improvement in mathematics. We have a free training uh, an accompanying workbook for leaders of mathematics like you. Uh, the, math, the Make Math Moments team, myself, John, and Kyle, walk you through our four-stage process uh, we use with district partners to create clear, measurable, sustainable PD action plans, but more specifically on how to also get teacher buy-in so that it drives student engagement. So step one, register for this free training, get your planning workbook, um, and then watch the training. Schedule some time on your calendar so you can watch it and go through the workbook after completing that workbook, you're going to have a clear, measurable vision, action plan for mathematics to get more teacher buy-in, but also be able to hit your goals for the 2024-2025 school year. So head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash four stages to start this free training.